Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail, and we are delighted to welcome you to today's episode of Women Over 70, featuring women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are leading lives that illustrate inspiring ways to learn, contribute, and make a difference as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest will focus on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. We're delighted today to welcome Mary Jane Dix, who we refer to as MJ, MJ Dix. MJ is 74 years old. She resides in Evanston, Illinois. We're going to be talking with, with MJ about being in community, and that will include the uh, relationships with family. She's been married for 50, almost 53 years to the love of her life. She has four children, five grandchildren, all boys. And also part of that is the long-term involvement that MJ has had in marriage encounters with her, uh, that she's taught with her husband, and also the strong voice that she has and ha- has had for women, uh, women's visibility, women's presence in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And we might get into talking about a little bit more about aging and maybe some health concerns and just uh, her philosophy of life. Okay. So MJ, <laughs> we welcome you. We're delighted to Thank have you, you with us. And if why don't you just start by talking about your the relationships that really matter to you? Okay. Um, I think but, you know, I had a very bucolic early childhood, and then life went to hell in a basket when my dad died when I was 14, and that was really a pivotal point in my life. I'm one of nine kids, so my mother was left with nine kids mm-hmm. from the age of 18 to one, oh, and uh, and it sort of formed who I was, you know, mm-hmm. then, and I had to come out of that, and it, it sort of stopped my development, mm-hmm. and uh, my husband was one of the people who really helped me come back to life. He sort of loved me back into myself, I say. And how old were you when that happened? 19. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so tough five years there. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I was still crying myself to sleep every night. Um, and you think if, it w- if you were just a better person, a better kid, that certainly he wouldn't have died, oh. you know. Oh, no. And that's silly, I know now, but that's what I thought at the time. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we married and had four kids by the time I was 29. Uh, and I plunged into motherhood and volunteering at school and, you know, doing all the things you do when you have children, uh, PTA, that kind of thing. And then I worked for the archdiocese for a while and learned about marriage encounter and, and then took marriage encounter and volunteered in that um, for probably 15 years. Uh, that was life changing for both of us. It really, really helped. Can you what what is uh, tell us a little bit about marriage encounter? Well, it's you know people think it's for people that have bad marriages and they want to get them better, and it's really not. It's for anybody who's married who wants to, who's open to learning about themselves and their spouse, and and so there are 
you start with yourself and then you move into the relationship and then your relationship with God and, and others. Mm-hmm. Those are like the stages of marriage encounter. And when we left our weekend, my husband looked at me and he said, I know you want to do that. You want to do those things, but you're going to have to give me time because he was so quiet and never spoke in public, and, but he knew he was in for it. So <laughs> I waited, and he finally said, okay. <laughs> so 15 years, he, he, and then you taught or led sessions? Yeah, yeah. well, we, we, we did that shortly mm-hmm. after we made our, mm-hmm. our weekend. Mm-hmm. And did you do it together? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so we, there were a series of talks, and you work with a team of two other couples and a religious or priest, and mm-hmm. um, you write your talks and you give them to each other to be critiqued and before you get to the weekend. So it's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of self-honesty. Uh, and it's, it's uh, scary to go and expose yourself mm-hmm. in front of people like yes. that, you know. So you said that you your lives were kind of transformed by this. Is there any any big takeaways that you can share that you oh. remember from all those years ago? Yeah. Well, it, it just made our sense of who each other is so much deeper, mm-hmm. so much deeper, and uh, the trust so much deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that happen that – you don't even realize you're hurting each other mm-hmm. and it's you're not meaning to but the other person's taking what you say the wrong way mm-hmm. like joe said to me one night i'd like to to take your dad's place because i was one of my sad nights and i said no one can do that and he took that as you can't do that oh, he can't yeah. do that mm-hmm. so um that came out on the weekend and i said oh my god <laughs> why didn't you say something you know so that kind of honesty mm-hmm. and and not only with each other, but with yourself. And the people we gave encounters to was, they were amazing, just all of them amazing. And one woman said, will you talk to me in between talks? I said, sure. She said, um, I don't, you know, the question was, why do you want to go on living with me, meaning your spouse? Mm-hmm. She said, I don't think I do. And I said, well, talk to me about it. And she just talked for about an hour. And I just sat there and let her talk, mm-hmm. you know. And then... She said, I think I need to go to confession. I'm not exactly sure why she wanted to do that. So I went and got the priest, and I said, there's what happened, and I, she wants to go to confession. And he said, I think she already did that, but I'll give her absolution, oh. which was lovely because, yeah. you know, that wouldn't be something a woman would be sure. expected or allowed to do. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, the kinds of church happens in lots of ways besides institutionally. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wonderful segue into another, <laughs> other uh, area we want to explore with you which is you've been uh, a strong advocate for women's presence women's voices in the catholic church mm-hmm. and i know you, your your doctoral dissertation was uh, around that i forgot to mention that mj is dr mj dix <laughs> she is <laughs> which is still <laughs> surprising to me <laughs> is it i think you what what almost 60 when you i was 60 mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, what was your doctoral dissertation in? It was called, I'm not losing my faith, I'm losing my religion, colon, study into the spirituality of women in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm not sure I did all the work they really wanted me to do around adult learning, but we learned a lot about ourselves, and it was a collaborative study. And so we started with questions that I presented the first night and then every night when we finished we came up with a question together Mm -hmm. to bring to the next one and every one of us experienced you know uh, 
discrimination in the church and being stopped from doing the things that we felt we could do, um, even though Vatican II had happened and, and there was a whole lot more lay involvement at the time. But my husband was told one time to get me under control. <laughs> How's that working? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, don't, I don't think he can do that, Father. And, and my husband looked at him and said, yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> um, and it was over something so stupid. That, but they're so threatened. They're just so threatened because they, they don't know anything about women since they were 14 years old, you know. And so they're afraid of us. And, and they have no idea that this can be done together mm-hmm. instead of, you know, in fighting with each other. So how, uh, what, what ways have you found to uh, create community, to connect women around um, shared, shared faith, shared interests? Yeah. I'm really lucky to belong to a faith community that's been meeting for 47 years wow. in the gym of the school because it was Vatican II, and they said, let's try a guitar mass, they called them then, and several times have tried to um, get rid of us, and they they can't. Mm. They just can't because we're not going anywhere. Mm. Um, So that's a strong community, and within that community are a bunch of really good, good friends that I play golf with, and Mm. um, another group that we have first Friday dinners, not meant to be like first Friday in the Catholic Church. It was just a good day to remember. And it started because one of the couple's daughter um, became anorexic and they were very distraught. So we got together to talk about it with them and listen to them. And then somebody said, why don't we do this every month? Mm-hmm. And we could do that. And so we've been supporting each other for 40, 40 years. You know? Over 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we um, do a weekend together in the fall. That's coming up in about a week that we love to do together. So everybody chips in on the food and preparing it, and it's just very loose and easy. And uh, Where do you do that? Where do you get together? Well, we've been going to Michigan for years mm-hmm. to um, New Buffalo, oh. and we've decided we've been to all the stores there and done most of the things you can do <laughs> down there. So we're going to go to Galena this year. Oh, nice. And we're going to – It's we, we've rented a pontoon boat for Saturday, and you know we'll we'll have a good time. Oh, is this women only, or is this couples? no? It's couples. Couples. This okay. is couples. Yeah. Okay. And you know when we were, I, I forgot to tell you when we were doing these discussions in my dissertation research, um, one it got very quiet very quickly, where where people really talked about how they felt about the church, you know, lovingly and dearly, and like a full member of the church but weren't treated that way mm. and um of course sex is an issue that the church just screws, pardon me ruins all the time <laughs> and um doesn't understand and this one uh woman said very quietly and they call us an occasion of sin really yeah oh they do what does that mean it means that men can't control themselves and so we're the you know we're the ones who cause them to sin to sin well, yeah. it's the original adam and eve yes. yeah 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 oh dear wow and she said they call me an occasion of sin and then she did her little shoulder thing <laughs> shimmy and she said and i'm proud of it <laughs> <laughs> she was something has the has women's voice in the church <laughs> changed um, yes, I, it has. Uh, they allowed women into schools of theology because they had nobody to teach. And, <laughs> and they thought they could be, you know, teachers and keep their mouths shut. Well, ha ha, that didn't happen. And 
once women began to go to schools of theology, they learned how to um, to study the scripture and to get into the underneath of those words and what did they mean in that day and uh, the language, however it's translated, it can be done in more than one way. Like, um, be subject to your husband really means be loyal to your husband. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. And they, they just always put subject to. So um, that was a, a start. And then people started to have positions in the church. But you still can't be ordained. And um, you still can't preach. Mm -hmm. And they're just losing so much talent and gifts mm -hmm. for people that yeah. they could have. And what about, do you know much about the role of, of, the, of nuns now in, in the church? Yeah. Joan Chittister, I brought this book for you all. She's, I'm just so enamored with her writing. I just love her. She's a, an Erie Benedictine and mm -hmm. uh, has taught in theology schools. And what did you ask me? I forgot the question. About the, about the role of nuns in, yeah. the, in, the, in the church. Yeah. They, you know, there was, she was going to speak somewhere and the Vatican told her that she can't. So she went back to her sisters, you know, mm -hmm. in community, and she said, you know, what do you want me to do? Because she knew if she did it, it would cause them a lot of trouble, mm -hmm. too. And they said, oh, go, mm -hmm. do it. Don't, don't be silenced. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to just pay attention to the places where you can do something. And uh, one of the places I like to preach mm -hmm. is um, at the communion reflection, which they allow us to do. And takes the scripture from the week and apply it to your life and into mm -hmm. you know en enough commonplace story that everybody can identify with it so you do that at in the at mass at yeah. mass okay mm -hmm. yeah. so i'm i know that you are uh, a lot you have a lot of experience teaching yeah in, uh, co college in particular i started teaching when my children were born you did? Well, I was teaching them. Oh, yes. I was, okay. So I know I'm going to jump ahead to a many years. college setting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, I know. I actually learned some things from you about parenting. I hope good things. Yes, yes. You had a lot of good advice. Um, so yeah. I, what, are you, what, are the, what are you teaching now? What are some of the um, I'm teaching uh, still this thing called externship, which is about adult learning and how do you learn and um, it's a, a learning by doing, and so um, it covers spirituality and leisure, and the mm -hmm. students have to do a leisure practice three times a week and a spiritual practice three times a week. And, and they write in their journals every week, and I give them feedback. I just tell them what they're saying. Is there a connection between the two, between leisure and spirituality? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, spirituality is, is going inside and finding out who you are and letting it come out. That's, that's how I look at it. So it, some people describe it as your way of being in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, leisure is a philosophy toward life. It's, um, it's a, an, an attitude of the mind and a condition of the soul. Joseph Pieper wrote that piece many, many, many years ago. P-I-E-P-E-R. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means yet. An attitude of the mm -hmm. mind and a condition mm -hmm. of the soul. Well, whatever you're doing, you can come at it whatever attitude oh, or condition okay. you want. And okay. if you want to be fr frenetic, you know, Frida, mm -hmm. go ahead. Mm -hmm. But you can even approach the worst things that are happening to you with a more uh, thoughtful approach. Oh, so that's leisure. 
it's, in that broad sense. Yes, it's not taking a vacation. Yeah. It's, you know, people yeah. go on vacation and come home tireder than them yeah. when they went. <laughs> yeah. <you know>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I know you're teaching in the liberal learning seminars in the graduate program right. here at the School of Continuing and Professional Studies. So <laughs> what are you teaching? Well, it's sort of a hybrid of that class. And, and um, so it covers spirituality and leisure and adult learning. Uh, but the graduate students are expected to do more. The undergrads are not, they're not expected to do anything except reach, research themselves mm -hmm. and do the readings in the class, but not so they can spit them back to me, mm -hmm. but so they can tell me how they wash over them, what mm -hmm. strikes you in this reading. And then it helps them to grow from that reading. Mm -hmm. And everybody will see something different that strikes them, which makes the conversation wonderful. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the graduate students have to do a little bit more research and thinking and writing correctly and all that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yes, right, APA. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. after, after you finished with the uh, marriage encounter mm -hmm. and all, then, then what did you go on to do? During that time, I met a woman named Mary Good, Sister Mary Good, and she said to me, you're really good at this lay ministry stuff. Well, I got a certificate from the Archdiocese on lay ministry. But um, she said, you're really good at this. And she said, they'll get you, but they won't get you as fast if you get a degree. Uh -huh. And I said, well, where would I do that? And she said, the School for New Learning, mm -hmm. which was the name of mm -hmm. the school before right. it was just changed. And, and so I called the next day and signed up for a discovery workshop and, <laughs> and went and um, told my mother I was doing it. And then afterwards she said, why aren't you still going to school? I said, I can't afford to do that. She said, I'll pay for it. I pay for everybody else's school. Why wouldn't I pay for you? Uh, just a little later. Yeah. <laughs> such a gift. Yes, and mine sure. wasn't as expensive either <laughs> because mm -hmm. I wasn't in a dorm and it mm -hmm. didn't take four years. And, <laughs> you know, I got, I wrote up a great deal of my life experience mm -hmm. and earned credit. For yes. That. So that's, that's how I got to school for new learning. And what did you ask me? It's further. So I asked you, what is it then that you did? Oh, so then as soon as I went to undergrad, I went right on to Loyola Pastoral Studies, and I finished that in a year. Mm -hmm. And I called my mentor, Betta, and I said, Betta, I'm ready to teach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, imagine anybody doing that. And, and she said, well, what do you want to teach? And mm -hmm. I said, well, why don't I start with a discovery workshop? So... I started teaching those and all the way down the first day thought, you must be insane. What are you thinking? You know, <laughs> but once you've been in that seat, you know exactly how those people mm -hmm. feel yeah. and, and being able to reassure them and say, this is all going to work out. Don't worry. You know, you're going to be fine. Um, then they decided to kind of take a deep breath and start to listen. How so, old were your children at that point? Um, they were, they were in grade school before I started my undergrad. Mm -hmm. So I would study all day while they were at school and I would go to school at night. And mm -hmm. um, Katie said to me one time, she went, when she was in college, she said, you made it look so easy, mom. <laughs> I said, well, that's because when you were at school is when I was doing all the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, that's how I got into to teaching mm -hmm. and loving it. I mean, teaching is like breathing. <laughs> It's just like breathing, and if you, um, if you just shut up and listen and stop trying to tell them everything you think they should know, they'll get it. Mm -hmm. You can because you can come in with some theory or idea that you want them to know. It 
on their terms and then they understand it and remember it better because it's applied in their life right away. So teaching is like breathing. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the school for new learning way, right? To teach, but not teach, to facilitate. Yes, facilitate, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I enjoy that. I still enjoy it, but the students change over the years. (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) Uh, When I started teaching, they were just like sponges and mostly women. Mm -hmm. And now there's more men involved and, um, and they're, they feel a little more entitled to an education. So if they pay their tuition, they feel as though that's what they should do and then they should just get their degree. And there's a little bit in between there that they have to do. So you have to remind them of that, you know. And they're all too busy, way too busy to do this. Well. Are you still teaching? Yes, yes. At your tender age? At my tender age of 74. (laughs) I had a teacher at Loyola Um, named Irene Dukin, who I just adored. And I feel like I've sort of become Irene, Mm -hmm. finally. She was like 75 when she taught my class, and and she taught a wonderful class on spirituality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a great lady. I'm curious. You know, when you and I talked the other day um, in preparation for conversation, I asked you, how do you think about aging? Do you think about aging? What are uh, any issues or challenges that you might be dealing with? And one of them was health. Yes, yes. I, <coughs> excuse me, I've had rheumatoid arthritis for probably 35 years, mm-hmm. and that'll really wreck your body. Um, it takes its toll. Mm-hmm. I have lots of gnarly things in my hands, and I have an ankle that is made of titanium, <coughs> so... And it has to be fixed again, so that's another 13-week recovery, which is horrible. And all of that has hurt my gait, and so it leads to all kinds of other things. So, so the the thing you have to really do is to not get down. Mm-hmm. You have to just keep your head up and get up and keep going. You have yeah. to practice your leisure, the leisure philosophy. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what good is it going to do me to sit down and feel sorry for myself? It won't help. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked my mother once, how did, you, how did you raise all of us? How did you do that? She said, what do you mean, how did I do that? Um, I said, well, it was a lot. And she said, well, you just do it, MJ. You just do it. And that was before Nike ever came up oh. with that slogan. <laughs> so I, I hear her head in my voice. You just do it, MJ. You just get up and do it. And, but the mornings are harder. The day is slower starting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm also thinking more about how to use the time I have left because mm-hmm. I don't have forever. I mean, you start to realize that when yeah. you're 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And I actually retired from full-time at School for New Learning because I was 65 and my mother died when she was 80. And I thought, you might only have 15 years. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with that 15 mm-hmm. years? You want to stay here and do all this stuff, or do you want to really do some good stuff? So what's the good stuff that you... Well, the that? good stuff is teaching, okay. and and the good stuff is being with Joe all day. And That's her husband. My husband, right. Um, people send their husbands out for the day. Like, I didn't. I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch, one of my friends <laughs> says. But we seem to coexist in the same place. It's 1,700 square feet because we sold our house, and... Um, and don't get in each other's way. We each have our stuff we do. Mm-hmm. And we've traveled a lot, which has been really fun, really, really great. Um, 
mostly to Europe, but we've been to Mexico and the Caribbean and Alaska and Canada. Mm-hmm. Took that train across Canada. Oh, did you? Oh, God. That's a great we trip. did that too. Did yes. You? So, so great. Gorgeous. Yes, it's so gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. We did it with all Joe's siblings, which was really fun, and their spouses. So um, that's been fun. And every other year we rent a big house and have the kids all come with their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one daughter-in-law who really likes her privacy a little more than the rest of us. You know, my son says, Mom, you think everybody can just come and throw us sleeping bag on the floor and it'll be fine I said well yeah kind of but I get that not everybody's like that but getting up in the same house in your pajamas brings people closer together I think I mean you're already halfway through your day when you've gotten up and gotten dressed and gotten someplace um, and it makes for a lot of good conversation Mm -hmm. when you're sitting around and so you can talk to those boys you know those grandchildren? Those boy grandchildren, yes. Um, they're a riot. <laughs> well, there's one family with three boys, and the other one has twin boys that are 10. So they go from 13 to 10, and there's five of them. Mm-hmm. 14, maybe even 14. I don't know. Anyway, he's in high school now. Are they close? Um, each of the families are very close. The parenting styles of the two parents is so different. And even though they live in the same town, mm-hmm. the boys don't always see each other. The boys love it. Mm-hmm. The parents, not so much. You yes. know, my one son is like, yeah, we want to see them as much as we can. It's, it's an interesting thing to watch. And you just have, my mother said many times too, you just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> mm-hmm. I said, That's okay, mom, I get it. <laughs> just keep your mouth shut. So... Um, that's part of what we do to have fun. And um, as I said, we have really good friends. We, we golf. Um, I play three times a week, and we play together once. Um, you and Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's been a really wonderful thing to spend time together with. You know, it's something we both love, and we're terrible at it, but it doesn't matter. We're out for four hours in the mm-hmm. wonderful quiet and having a good time. Yeah. So I think that's... He, he didn't play the whole time our kids were growing up. I said, you, you can't leave for four hours on a Saturday. You've been gone all week. <laughs> so he said, okay. And so now he's making up for lost time. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you said something the other day to me. You said something about as we age, we, what we lose in the physical, we pick up mm. in the spirit. In the wisdom. In, in the, the wisdom. spirit, Yeah. Yeah. The trick is to not force it on people, to wait until they're ready to hear it. To hear your wisdom? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot in there, you know, but <laughs> I'm sure. they aren't always so interested <laughs> until they really need it. Um, I, all my life I have, because I'm one of nine, I've been trying to be who I am. That was mm-hmm. sort of my mantra. Who am I really? Just because people would say, oh, you're one of the Murphy kids. Mm. And I think, but I'm not like all the rest of them. Me, you know, mm-hmm. but that didn't make any difference to, in an Irish Catholic ghetto, you know. So um, I have come to the philosophy of our, our call or our, our goal in life is to um, become the person we're created to be but have not yet fully become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're still becoming who we are with every breath we take until we're done. Yeah, it's a lifelong journey. Yes, absolutely. Yes. 
I have a sister-in-law who died in the last couple of years and she was very spiritual and she had the most beautiful death. Oh my God. Mm. She wasn't afraid. She mm -hmm. pulled everything out and said, I'm done. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I'll go. It took her about 45 minutes. That's all it took. And she clearly saw somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched somebody die, but she mm -hmm. clearly mm -hmm. saw somebody mm -hmm. and perked up and opened her eyes wide. And she was blind all her life. Opened her eyes oh. wide and then went back on the bed and kept breathing. And about five minutes later, she did it again. And then she was gone. I mean, you could tell that she wasn't wow. in her body anymore. Wow. It was so yes. interesting. So I don't think we need to be afraid. Mm -hmm. I think there's people there to greet us, and uh, there's a loving God out there somewhere that's ready to have us home. Wow. So that's kind of my thing is how do you become who you are? And, and when I talk to students about that, um, because spirituality is a trip inside, people are afraid to go inside and find out who they really are. Because what if what if... It does, it's not good, you know, and, and at some point in the class, and it just happens, it, mm. it comes out of me, I say, never, never be afraid to go inside because you are always, always, always enough. <laughs> never worry about that. You are always enough, mm. no matter who you are. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there are some people I could think of today that I might not say that about, but they truly are mm. okay inside all mm -hmm. of them. We just get away from that, I think. Oh, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> MJ, you gave us a lot to think about. Well, thank you. I hope, I hope it was good. It's provocative. Um, yeah, it's really, as I knew it would be, insightful, inspiring. Well, thank you. That's very and nice. Thank you so much for joining us at 30 Minutes flies by yeah it right? does it does yeah, very <laughs> you think you don't have enough to talk about and boom yes, all of a sudden yeah, it's, done. it's yeah. done so thank you for joining us today and our weekly wednesday podcast is only as valuable valuable as you our listeners find it please share your thoughts on the show add to the conversation provide feedback and become an active participant in our facebook community women over 70 we hope you'll invite your younger friends Mm -hmm. and your family and colleagues to join in because our goal is to create an intergenerational <clears throat> conversation. And if you know a woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us. We also want to thank the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul University, where we recorded today's episode. See you on Facebook and next week on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com. <laughs>